really good curriculum, and then we have some really good curriculum for the women as well, and we'll show you a video of that next week. So come on out. I, I always say, you know, men sometimes need a little more. Come on, this is going to be good for you, right? Right, guys? Sometimes, huh? Right? See, you're not even talking to me right now, right? <laughs> so I'm proving the point. You're proving the point, right? So come on out and be a part of that. Well, today we're going to wrap up the growth series, um, growth track series, rather. And um, I do want to say this before I forget. I want to make sure that I say this right now because I go on, I, I'm likely to forget it. If you have any interest in becoming a member of Cross Community Church, we are going to have a membership class that is going to be basically just like an extension of the material that I've been going through over the last two weeks as well as today. And um, we will drill into the, the doctrine a little bit more in that session and also talk about what membership is at Cross Community Church. And so if you're interested in that, even if you just want to check it out, you're not obligated. You can just come to the class and check it out. Um, and if you want to, you can become a member. If you don't want to, be like, eh, not now. I think I'll wait or whatever. But come if you're interested at all. Be a part of that. It is two weeks from today on the 19th. And is that right? Yes. Now that I say that, I was like, wait, time, where's time going? This is the last Sunday in January. How can that be already, right? So I'm like, that's why I caught myself. I'm like, it's already the end of, it's just crazy how fast time is going. But anyway, if you're interested, show up for that class. It is during the discipleship hour. So it starts at 9.30. And um, we do have a sign up out in the lobby just so that we know if, if anybody's gonna come or how many are going to come. Just sign up so that we know that you're interested and that way we know how much material to print for you so that you have information to take with you to help you understand who we are, what we believe, so on and so forth. So if you're interested, that again is the 19th at 9.30 and um, we'll let you know where to go when you show up, okay? So be here at 9.30 for that. But let's get into the third week of Growth Track. And I want us, go ahead and go to the next slide, if you will, guys. I want us to sort of talk about, for a few moments, where we've been, but I want to draw your attention again to these three icons on the screen and the three words that represent this growth track. And it's, it's not just for membership material. This should really be symbolic of our culture as a church as we move forward and what it means to be a community of believers. Because again, part of our name is community, cross community, right? And we want to live in community. We, we want to understand what that means, what that looks like, how God can truly move in this place as we come together and live in unity and, and really focus on the main thing, right? So discover is where we were week one. Uh, and and the, again, the icon for that is a compass. That's the direction that we're headed in. Week two, journey, which, uh, you know, is kind of talking about the, the shoe prints of our lives as we're on this journey together. Uh, I like the fact that it's hiking boots because sometimes uh, this walk requires us to go off-roading. Yeah, sometimes we have to leave the paved surfaces and actually go off-roading a little bit. And then today we're going to talk about the third one, which is explore and what that means. How many of you like a good adventure? How many of you like to hike? How many of you used to like to hike? but not so much anymore. <laughs> I got more response out of that than I did the other. 
But I, for one, like to hike. I like to, I like to, and if you've been around here, you know this is true of me. I like to take walks and I'm not a hardcore hiker, I, but, but I like to get my walking stick and a backpack and just head off and really discover what God has in store as I explore. And, and I always look at it as an opportunity to get in touch with him, not in touch with nature, I'm not a tree hugger, okay? But I embrace the one who made the tree, right? And so I use that as an opportunity to draw close to the Lord. I'm in nature when I'm taking a hike. And in all honesty, I can, I can take a nice hike and just feel very close to Jesus. Very, very close to Jesus. And, and so I think it's good for us every once in a while just to get off the beaten path, if you will. And we've been looking over the last several weeks at our history, our mission, our vision. Um, today, we're going to kind of talk a little more about our strategy. And uh, so here's just a few points of review as we get ready for today, okay? Week one, we talked about, again, discover, but the key word there is the word believe. Say that word with me, believe. Believe. We, we've talked about the fact that this is a place where we can believe. It's a place where we can belong in fellowship with one another. And today we're going to look at the fact that it's a place where we can become. Become all that God desires for us to be. Before I move into that, I want to rehearse for us again our history. Because our history is very important to us. Amen, church? Amen. Who we are, where we've come from. We were established 114 years ago by by immigrants from Scotland who came to America and started a Bible study in a saloon of all places, right? And later they moved to this place that they named the Faith Home and God miraculously did wonderful things in that Faith Home. People's lives were changed. They experienced healings that were miraculous healings, right? It all took place in that Faith Home. That is our history. That is our DNA. That is who we are, church. It's who we are. We are still that same DNA that God placed in the hearts of these two people as they began this work. That, that desire to see God heal and restore and transform and make a difference in a culture and in a society and in the city of Illyria and beyond. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's read our, our mission statement again together. Loving God, loving people. That's what it's all about, yeah? Yeah? Let's go on. A place to believe, a place to belong and a place to become. That's our mission. It's pretty simple. It's rooted and grounded in God's word, right? Let's read our vision statement together. To represent Christ by becoming a community of worshipers who celebrate, connect, grow, serve, and reach others with his love and healing. Care what you say. That is a great vision statement right there. Amen? That's who we are. That's what we're about. That's our vision. And it's an ongoing vision, church. We haven't completed it yet. We haven't fully realized it as, as to what God wants to do in and through us as a church. How many of you believe that? Amen. Amen? Then we talked about our beliefs over the last few weeks. Week one, we talked about God's word and the one true God and God's plan for man. That was week one, right? And, uh, and the importance of salvation. That's the basis of everything that we believe, salvation. Then last week, we talked about growth tracks and the journey of the growth tracks 
and what it means to belong, to belong as part of this community, belong to the Lord, to belong to one another. And we looked at Ephesians 2.19. From now on, you are not strangers and people who are not citizens. You are citizens together with those who belong to God. You belong in God's family. And then as it relates to our beliefs, we looked at God's plan, the church, and we took a more in-depth look at that, but then we broke it down, again, based on our vision. We broke it down and we said, there's five purposes that Jesus has for the church. Five purposes. He makes it clear all through the New Testament. Five purposes. It's worship. It's fellowship. It's discipleship. It's ministry. It's evangelism. Those are the five things that are important to Jesus. And he repeats them in various places. You can, if, if you want to know one of the places that you can find all five, go to John chapter 17 this week and read that chapter. You'll see. You'll see the heart of God in that passage as Jesus is praying back to the Father. But therefore, let it be said that Cross Community Church exists to celebrate God's purpose through worship. That means to articulate God's activity among us, just like Wendy did a few moments ago. Yeah? That's what that means, that we come here and we celebrate what God's been doing all week long. Well, pastor, I don't have anything to celebrate. Well, maybe you need to start doing something for God to celebrate what you're doing. Yeah? Right? If we start touching people, if we start reaching people, if we start praying for people and people get healed, if we start, if we start helping people cross the line of faith, then we have something to celebrate when we come together in here. Man, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a celebration of the activity of God in our midst. The second one, connect with God's family through fellowship. That is to incorporate people into this body of believers. Number three, grow with God's people through discipleship. It starts with educating believers. Discipleship is education, but it's more than just education. It's also relationship. Because we can't grow in God without growing with one another. We need each other to grow, in other words. Right? How many of you know that, how many of you have ever planted a garden and you just planted one thing in that garden? No, you need the other plant life, right? Because the other plant life helps the root system, all the nutritions that are there. We need each other, right? If you want to grow in Christ, you can't grow in Christ in a vacuum. You need each other. You need me, I need you. We need each other in order to truly grow in Christ. And I'm getting too preachy on the review. Let me move on. Number four, serve with God's love through ministry. That is to demonstrate God's love in our actions, right? And in our attitudes, of course. And number five, reach with God's word through evangelism to communicate God's word. To who? The people that need to know God, amen? The people that need to know who he is and what he is capable and able to do. We looked at Hebrews chapter 10, 24. And this proves a point I made just a few moments ago. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Amen. Acts of love and good works. We talked about our values, Christ-like character, compassion, community, faith, authenticity, intimacy, and influence. And these are things that we embrace and value at this church. Why are you going over this, Pastor? Because we have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to forget who we are and what God has called us to do. So we have to be reminded in order to fully embrace what he has in store. Then, man, we, we, we spent some good time in Second Chronicles chapter 20 last week. That was, that was some good time, was it not? Yes. Talking about the significance of prayer and fasting and worship together and 
Again, man, you start fasting and it's like the enemy, he starts messing with you. Right? Tries to pull the rug out from underneath you. You know, several times during this fast, which comes to an end this week, guys, right? Not that that's all the fasting you're going to do for the year. I hope. hope that's not all the fasting you're going to do. Our season of fasting as a church comes to an end. And there's a lot of things that God's been doing during this time. Some of which I understand, some of which I don't understand. You know, sometimes it just requires us to have faith in this journey, right? And we don't comprehend, we don't understand everything. But one thing I know, and, and my wife is really good about reminding me, April said several times, Randy, what else do you expect? We're fasting. Randy, what else do you expect? We're fasting. Randy, what else do you... If I had a dollar for every time she said that to me, <laughs> I could buy some really good candy after this fast is over. We're wrapping up the series today talking about what it means to come. We are not yet who we will be. I am not yet who I will be. You are not yet who you will be. We are not yet who we will become as a church. We have not arrived. We have not accomplished our purpose. Have we been accomplishing our purpose up till now? Yes. Is there more to come? Absolutely. And I believe that we need to see this word become as, as a present continuous word. It means that it's, it's true now and it's true come in the days to come. And I believe that is so important because we're discovering together, we're, we're journeying together, but we're also exploring together. We're exploring who God would have us to be, God would have us to become. And you know, if, if you're here today and you would say, you know, Pastor, I don't, I don't really know what I have to contribute. Well, we have an assessment called a gift, a spiritual gifts inventory. We can get that to you. Just let us know and we can get that to you. Many of you have taken it, many of you, and it's helped you to identify. Here's the reason why you need to know what your spiritual gifts are, as well as your talents and your abilities. Because God has placed you in this body and he has given every single believer a ministry and a mission. Every one of us have a ministry and a mission. And it's important that we realize that because this church can't become all that God wants us to be unless all of us are understanding our part in that. Isn't that true? Right? So that's, that's the cool thing about this word become is, is it's just continually expanding as we learn more and more about who God is and who God wants to be in us as a church body, right? So if you need some help, we've got resources that can help you to identify what you're gifted to do and how you would best serve in this body, okay? But right now, I want to take us to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And I want to read it out of the NLT. It says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them. Listen to this. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's a great verse. A great verse. He chose you. He chose me. Become like him. Like Jesus. Again, it goes back to that value of being Christ-like. The character of Christ. Living out the character of Christ. You know, there's an old expression that says, seeing is believing. How many of you think that's true? <laughs> it was funny because in, in Breakfast Club, it's kind of like, eh, you, it's like this. Eh, anybody else? Eh. 
Okay, so true or false? True or false? Seeing is believing. It's both. Isn't it? Isn't it both? We, we live like it's both. And we oftentimes, when we, we perception is reality, hello? Sometimes we, well, I'm just calling it like I see it. Well, okay, right? It's both. What I want us to see today is there's a differentiation between the natural and the spiritual, right? See, it's different for those of us who are exploring this walk with Christ. It's different for those of us who are praying, God, develop us, help us to see, help us to know, to learn, to understand. Give us eyes of faith because when we have eyes of faith, then that perspective is different because when we have eyes of faith, we're encouraged to believe God for that which we can't yet see. Hello? If I'm going to pastor and I'm going to stand up here and tell you, well, this is, this is the way I see it, and that's it, and that's not good, right? And I'm not even going to go into detail where that will lead, right? And we're going to do this because that's the way I see it. No, we need to have eyes of faith that we see beyond the temporal, that we see beyond where we're at, that we see even beyond the way we look at things. Because all of us have a tendency to see things a certain way. God is constantly trying to get us to see beyond what we can see in the natural. He's trying to open up our spiritual eyes so that we can see more clearly in the spirit realm what's really going on. See, we can see what's happening in the natural. And a lot of times we base our emotions on what we see going on in the natural realm. And that's easy to do, is it not? And we can sort of formulate our outlook based on how we see things in the natural realm. Instead of saying, God, give me eyes of faith to see that which I cannot see in the natural, but what you want to reveal to me from the spirit realm. Uh, let, me help, let me help with this. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 6. Soon as I, soon as I say the address, some of you are like, I know where he's going with this. And I can tell you right now, I'm not going to get through this message this morning. So it may kind of come to a screeching halt before, you know, it's all said and done. But I don't have enough time today. I just don't. Because I don't want you all getting hangry with me. Right? I don't want you to get hungry and angry simultaneously. It's not a good combination. But if you're struggling to understand what I'm saying, let's go to this chapter right here. Let's go to chapter 6 of 2 Kings. It's a familiar, and I'm only, I'm only going to look at like one little snapshot, one frame of this. And this is kind of like a really amazing video going on here. Again, I can't wait till we get to heaven and we have like the video on demand of all the great things that God is. Pastor, you said that, said that time and time again. I'm not sure that that... Trust me, I, I, I believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to have like heavenly reflects, not the kind that you can see today, but you're going to have, you're going to go, hey, Lord, I would really like to see the, the dividing of the Red Sea. Oh, you want to see that? Look at this. And it's all of a sudden on the screen. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's what heaven's going to be like personally. Not that we won't have anything else to do. There's plenty that we're going to do. I believe that. We're not just going to sit on a cloud and strum a harp. <laughs> I know some of you, you probably have your heart sit on that, but God's going to do more than that, okay? Trust me. 
Right here, we have, we have Elisha and we have his servant and the situation all through the Old Testament. The enemy is God's people constantly from all angles, from all sides. We looked at that last week in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Three different armies coming against the people of God constantly. Should we be surprised when we face opposition and challenges and struggles? It's always been, Right? And here is another one of those scenarios. You know, it's a, it's a sleepy morning and Elisha's servant is up before Elisha and he's out kind of, you know, getting a feel for the morning, probably having his morning coffee if they had coffee back then. I don't know. I don't know if they did. They probably had something like it. And, uh, but anyway, he's out there and he's probably yawning, probably wiping the sleep out of his eyes and he looks around and he goes, <gasps> armies are circling us and chariots, soldiers, right? And that's the scene that's starting to take shape. And we see, and let's just pick it up in verse 15 here. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. His servant said to him, this is the servant speaking to Elisha, the prophet. Alas, my master, what shall we do? He answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I don't know exactly what the servant felt in that moment or what he was even seeing exactly. One thing I know is he wasn't looking at the same setup as Elisha was. They were, two, they were both seeing something very different. Because the servant said, hey, got a problem. We got an army that is surrounding us, that's ready to attack. And the first thing, the first thing out of Elisha's mouth, do not fear. Don't be afraid. You know what that tells me? That Elisha could see something immediately that the servant couldn't see. Right? His eyes, Elisha's eyes were open. I, I, it's not really a big stretch, but it doesn't say this in the text. But I believe here, here's the difference between the two of them, okay? Here's what I see. I believe servant was only looking at the situation in the, in the okay? But Elisha was looking into the spirit realm. You know what that says to me? that when we're just simply looking in the natural realm, it's real easy to become discouraged and fearful, frightened by what we see or what we don't see, alarmed, discouraged, what you could add on and on and on and on to the list of emotions that you're gonna have if you only look from a natural perspective. But, El but Elisha saw something different, yeah? Something very different. He said that those who are for us, those who are with us, are more than those who are against us. Like, um, can you not see that? <laughs> kind of felt like, you know, hey, as I'm reading this, I'm like, what, what was Elisha? He's like, oh, uh, he doesn't see it. He doesn't get it. And so what does he do? He prays. It's always the right thing to do, right? Pray. Pray first, right? Pray before we respond. So he says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Amen. That was it. He didn't pray this big grandiose prayer. That's right. This, 
elongated, you know. He said, Lord, open his eyes. I pray that you open his eyes, that he may see. Well, what happened? God answered the prayer, right? The servant's eyes, it says, were open. It says this in verse 17. His eyes were opened, and the young men, he saw. He saw, and behold. What's that word mean again? It's like, hello, <laughs> surprise, look at this. God shows up. God reveals himself. Behold, the mountain was full of the same thing. Horses and chariots. Oh, it's not the same thing. It says horses and chariots of fire. Oh, that's different. That's symbolic of God's presence. The fire is symbolic of God's presence amongst the people, right? So all of a sudden, the servant sees what he couldn't see before as a result of his spiritual eyes being opened. Yeah, And then look, it, it, the story gets even more interesting because the enemy does move and the army does start to come in and to attempt to attack them. But look at what happens next here. Verse 18 says, so when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the words of Elisha. Yeah, Elisha has, some, he has a powerful prayer life, doesn't he? People's eyes are open, people's eyes are closed, blinded. The enemy is blinded. I don't know about you, but I, I, don't think, I don't think an army without sight can accomplish much of anything. So they're meandering around, probably turning on each other, just like the armies that we read about last week, turning on each other, right? I mean, it was just chaos, Right? because they couldn't see. And so they were led to Samaria, and they were led before the king, right, in Samaria, a powerful, fortified city of God, right? And so they were taken there, and the king's like, hey, should we just, like, kill these guys? Should we just take care? And what does Elisha say? No, no, let's feed them. Let's, feed, let's give them a feast. Huh? Oh, by the way, their eyes were open once they got there, because Elisha prayed, he prayed that they would be struck with blindness, but once they got to Samaria, Lord, open their eyes that they could see again. Oh, we're in Samaria. You know what they did? They didn't slaughter them. Killed them with kindness. They fed them a feast. They fed the enemy a feast, and they sent the enemy on their way. And the enemy didn't come back. Boy, that's a lesson, isn't it? But more than anything else, I want us to understand this whole opening and closing of eyes. We need our eyes very wide open, if you will, to see what we otherwise wouldn't see. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is, hello, eternal, right? Now we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, author and the perfecter of our faith. You know what that tells me? That I should not get trapped in looking at what's going on over here, what's happening over there, and what this person says, and what that person does. And that, no, we need to keep our focus where our focus longs, and that's on Jesus. Right? We used to sing a song years ago that went, open the eyes of my heart. Remember that? Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. 
to see you high and lifted up, right? We need to see with spiritual eyes. Let me take you to another passage. Let me take you to Ephesians. Let's juxtapose or let's, let's overlay, okay, Ephesians over the, the passage that we just read. And let's see if we can see some similarities here. Because here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to pick it up at verse 17, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I'll give you just a second to find that in your Bible if you want to turn, because I need that. All right, so let's look at this and see what this has to say. This is Paul, and he's, he's praying for the church at Ephesus, right? He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's just pause there for a second. So that what? We may know him better, right? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Say that word with me enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Oh man, I love that passage of scripture. That is a powerful prayer, is it not? Powerful prayer. What I want us to see here is that word. I want, to, I want to look at that word enlightened for a moment. Well, Pastor, that sounds a little bit new agey. Isn't it kind of funny how there are certain words that sound new agey? I wonder where the new age got that from. Did we take it from the new age or did they take it from us? Aha. This word enlightened is a biblical term, biblical word. And literally in the Greek, it is the word photizo, Greek word photizo. Now, that sounds a little bit like photo, and it, and it has a similar meaning, by the way. Photizo is to illuminate, to bring to light, and to render evident. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know if they had anything like what we call a camera back then. I don't know. But even if they did, it's nothing like what we have today. Right? But I find it interesting that this word photizo sounds a lot like a photo, Right? I can't help but thinking, and I'm going to date myself here, and I'm going to date some of you. How many of you remember the Polaroid cameras? Some of you, if you're under 20, you're going, huh? Except for the fact that they did actually come out with a camera that was very similar to that a few years ago. What goes around comes around, doesn't it, right? But remember the old Polaroid cameras? You'd, you had the flat, you had to load the, the flash the, whatever, the flash bulbs. Then you had, the, you had a package of film and you had to load it in the camera and you just pointed at the subject and a picture, right? And you literally had the picture instantly. Okay, now I can tell right now, some of y'all need some explanation here. Back in the day, when we would take pictures, we did not have instant gratification like we do today. You had to take multiple pictures so that you knew whether those pictures, you had to send, you had to unload the film from the camera, take it to a photo booth. They had to develop it. You wouldn't see your pictures for days. They didn't know whether you had good pictures or not. They didn't know whether you destroyed the film by opening up in the sunlight, right? I mean, 
back in the, things were much more challenging back then, weren't they? And even predating all of us, you had to like, don't move, don't breathe, to have your picture taken. And then you'll wonder why all these old pictures are like, they have this sour look on their face like, it's because they weren't allowed to move. They weren't allowed to breathe. They were starved of oxygen by the time the photograph was developed. But remember the Polaroid camera, you would take the picture and immediately it's like, made this weird sound. I can't even come close, but it's like, and the film would shoot out and you would have, and it's like, ugh. It just looks like daylight, right? I don't know about you, but I would shake it. Come on, develop, develop, develop. But here's what would happen is that that photograph would come into view. See, it, it had the developer all in the little packet and it, it would develop the film right before your eyes. And that is really, in essence, from a spiritual standpoint, what Paul is saying to the Ephesians here. It's getting to come clearer and clearer. Developing right before your eyes. It's like fotizo. It's like a photograph. We understand that because we know what a photo is. And it's becoming clearer and clearer. See, we need the, the eyes of our heart open so that fotizo can happen, so that we can be enlightened. We can see clearly what we otherwise would not be able to see. Why? Because what's on the screen is very vital. It's important that we may know the wisdom and the revelation. Draw closer to him, right? But also, again, take note of what it says here. Why do we need that enlightenment? So that we can know the hope. Say that word with me. Hope. Say it again. Hope. Don't ever give up your hope. Never surrender your hope, church, right? The hope to which he has called you. And the riches. Say the word riches with me. Riches of what? His glorious inheritance. This is good stuff. And his incomparably great power. I want to see it, don't you? I want to experience it. I want to live it. See, that's, that's why it's important that we see. Go back to the slide that says become because this is the icon of the binoculars. Can you like form some binoculars here? Okay. Come on, work with me. You're all, yeah, come on, pass. No, come on, work with me here. You'll remember this because you'll remember this, okay? You'll remember what I'm saying today because if nothing else, you'll remember how stupid you looked when you did this. But if we all do it together, we all look stupid, okay? But we're making a point here. The icon is a set of binoculars. I don't have any binoculars on me today, okay? Neither do you. Well, you may. I don't know what you walk around with. Some of you you women, I've seen your bags. I'm like... Did you put everything in the kitchen in that purse? Because it's big enough to carry everything. I used to have a set of binoculars. I don't know. I don't know what happens to stuff sometimes. Kids. Kids happen to stuff. Right? I haven't seen them since my kids left home. Now, that could mean that they lost them before they left home. Or it could mean that they took them from me when I wasn't looking. Right? But I lost my binoculars. But all we really need is spiritual binoculars anyway. Right? To see clearly, what do binoculars do for us? Binoculars take that which is far away and it brings it up close so that we can see more clearly that which is at a distance. 
Matter of fact, I have a picture. I have a picture of how binoculars, I didn't know this until I saw this. I'm like, how do these things work? Have you ever wondered, how do they work? It's light, lenses, and prisms, right? And what it does is see, see how the, the light and the image, I mean, it's five different turns here before finally it comes to your eyes. And that's what brings it up closer, magnifies the image so that we can see that which is at a distance, we can see it up close and personal for it to be a reality. See, vision needs to become a reality. Yes? But our spiritual eyes have to be open before vision can become reality. And we, what we do when we come together, we're magnifying the Lord, right? And when we magnify the Lord, when we lift him up, he draws us close. He draws other people close. Matter of fact, that's where scripture says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw, you finish it, all men unto me. When we magnify God, we're drawn closer, but so are everybody else that is in that field of vision, right? We magnify him, we're drawn closer. Man, that's a powerful, powerful image. You know, with God, all things are possible, church. Even those things that we can't ever see happening. I don't want to plant a thought in your mind by saying that. But you know, all of us, we have, we have those moments of logic and reason. We say, well, that, you know, that'll never happen. We say that? Oh, that'll never happen. Oh, it'll never be this or it'll never be that. And it, it could be, you name it, it could be anything. But we just need to pray that the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. That we might see what we otherwise would not be able to see. Right? That we might envision something. You know, there's a passage of scripture in Proverbs, that in Proverbs 29, 18 to be exact. And it says, without a vision, people, we must see it. Spiritual eyes. That our eyes must be opened, enlightened to see what we otherwise would miss. You know, for, for this church, we've, we've had these objectives for, well, not long after I got here, we started talking about these objectives. And, and they're visionary objectives. And I've tweaked these visionary objectives a little bit. I stopped using the word I, and I replaced it with the word we. And I stopped using the word see, and I've replaced it with the word envision. Why is that important? Because when we envision something, we're putting ourselves into that. You see, this is a compound word. The word envision is a compound word, okay? The E-N literally means to put in, to put in. So in this case, we're putting ourselves into the vision. That we see it. We envision it. We're putting ourselves into, we become a part of it. See where I'm going with this. So let's say these things together and imagine the future possibility. See, this is God's idea. This is not Randy's idea, okay? This is not, these are God's ideas. God's ideas of who the church should be, right? And it's all based on scripture. It's all based on our, it's all based on our mission, our vision. It's all based on, God capabilities and not our own, right? And I will say this up front. We have accomplished this 
to some degree or another. But there is more. I said there's more. Right? I'm not settling for what is because there's more that God wants to do. We have accomplished this in seasons on and off and it's been great and then we've gone through valleys. How many of you know in order to get to the mountaintop, you gotta go through the valleys. I don't like the valleys. But I I refuse to live there and I don't wanna die there, right? And neither did David when he wrote Psalm 23. That's why he says he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. He's, uh, he's not going there to die. He's going through there. And while death may be part of the process, we may have to die to self. We may have to lose this or lose that. People that are on the journey with us, some people may go, eh, sorry, this is where I get off. And other people may join us on the journey. But we got to keep journeying, friends. We got to keep moving forward. Because this is his church. It's his plan. This is his idea. It's not mine. It's not yours. And there is no option B. The church has to move forward. And the church has to be the church because God does not have a plan B. Well, you know, this word. No, there is not another alternative. The church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. It was true when it first started. It's been true all through history and it's still true today. It's still true today. The church is the hope of the world. And because we believe that, because I believe that down to my toes. (laughs) That's why we can Declare, we could declare these statements together, these objectives together because this is who we are. This is who we're becoming. This is where we're going. This is how we make a difference in the world, friends. So pull out your binoculars. And you're like, really? Come on. If I had a pair of binoculars for all of you, I'd give them to you, but I don't. But we just got to pretend, right? So pull out your binoculars. Y'all look really funny from up here. But I love it. I love it. I look probably pretty strange myself. You know, the first at breakfast club, I was doing this, and I got big old fingerprints on my glasses. I'm like, great. Now I can't see the notes. But let's, let's read this first one together. And you know what? We used to say, the church I see. No, this is more declarative. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about we. The church that we envision, Mm, don't get in our way, right? That's what that says. We're going to do what God wants us to do. So let's say this, the church we envision is a God-honoring, vision-led, spirit-empowered community of Christ followers. Can I get an amen? Amen. Woohoo, right? All right, let's put the binoculars back up. A church we envision is purpose to live out the great commandment and great commission by loving God and loving people. Are we doing that already? Yes, we're doing that already. But there's more. 
remember growing up watching those crazy Ronco commercials. Anybody else? Remember the guy, he, he, but there's more. <laughs> but there's more. I don't want to be like that Ronco commercial, but that's what comes in. There is more. There's more to come, right? Let's go to the next one here. Put your binoculars back up. The church we envision impacts the world as it celebrates God's presence through worship, connects with God's family through fellowship, grows with God's people through discipleship, serves with God's love through ministry, and reaches with God's word through evangelism. Whoo! Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, right? All right, let's go to the next one. The church we envision is of renowned values, Christ-like character, compassion, community, faith, authenticity, intimacy, influence, with which to impact our community and the world. Yes, absolutely. Church, we're already impacting the world. And don't you forget that. We have missionaries that are circling this globe that we partner with. We are making a difference in remote places on this planet, right? That's why it's important to give to missions, right? Because we are changing the landscape of different cultures and people groups. But, but we also need to focus on people in our own backyard who need Jesus, who need discipled, who need to know the same Jesus that missionaries are telling people around the world about. We are the missionaries where God has placed us. You and me, placed in a neighborhood. We're placed in a job. We're placed in different community groups. Why? To make a difference. To have impact and to have influence. Oh, don't get me going. Let's go back to the, put up your binoculars again. This is a fun one. I love this one. Whew. All right, you ready? You sure? The church we envision is a loving, caring, family-focused church among whom the lonely and the broken find refuge, hope, healing, and a sense of belonging. Healing church. We are a healing church. Amen? Next one. The church we envision equips, enables, and releases ordinary people to live extraordinary lives. I love that word, extraordinary. Split it up. Extraordinary. When you're extraordinary, God can do extraordinary things, right? Let's go to the next one. Put your binoculars back up. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? The church we envision is deeply committed, exciting, and full of life. There is life in this room, church. Do you sense it this morning? There is life in here, amen? Full of life. It is a church that is personally engaging, culturally relevant, and spiritually impacting. Woo! Yeah! Yay, God! Yes, Jesus, right? Move through us, flow through us, accomplish your will through your people. How do we do it? How do we do it? 
How do we do it? Well, we got to go back to scripture for that one. It's Zechariah 4.6. I'm almost done. Are you with me? Stand to your feet if you're with me. Stand to your feet if you're with me. What are you going to ask me to do? I didn't ask you to do anything else other than to stand. That's it. That's it. Zechariah 4.6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Woo! Yes. Yes, Lord. Church, we need our eyes open to what God is doing. And more importantly, to what he wants to do through us. Now, I know I didn't get through all of what we believe. Again, if you're interested in membership, come that Sunday morning. I will talk on what I couldn't cover in just three weeks. I'll talk at a later time on that. But church, right now, what I need us to hear is that God is not finished with you. He's not finished with me. He's not finished with us. There is more to come. There is more to come, church. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened that we may see. May our eyes be opened. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, just like Elisha prayed for the servant. Lord, I know that many in this room, they see it, they, they've seen it longer than I've seen it. <laughs> they've envisioned it longer than I've envisioned it. It's on its way. It's coming. There's more. There's more. But Lord, I pray for those who are struggling to see it right now. God, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see, that we might realize more fully who you are, you're capable of doing, where you want to lead us, where you want to take us, what you want to do through us. Father, seal it. Seal it in our hearts this day. Help us lead into you to trust you with our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship and honor you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. May that be so. Right, church? Amen. Hey, before I let you go, I let you know I'm going to be missing next week. I have surgery scheduled for Friday. So be praying for me, if you will. I'm going to have part of my lower intestines removed. And uh, never had surgery before, so 
um, had tests and procedures where they put me out just in twilight for a little while, but this is my first official surgery, if you will. So I would appreciate some prayers from you if you'd be praying for me. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So. If maybe like a 